This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening this week. We have Scott Hamilton, who you might know from the thunderous bass stylings in the band Ken Mode. Now, I've, I've had Jesse on a couple times over the years, and this is the first time Scott has come on the show. And uh, last time uh, they came through town, or actually in Philly, we hung out, and uh, we talked about movies and we both agreed that it would be a really cool idea for him to come on the show, talk about his involvement with Ken Mode, and uh, the film, the whole odyssey of film work that he's involved with. And as you guys all know, I'm a huge fan of film. But before we get going, I just wanted to shout out to my fellow horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Of course, that is... Brandon Legion of Horror Wolf 666, Jackie Smith of Into the Necrosphere, and that is the premier extreme music podcast. I've actually been listening to Heavy Hole, too, uh, based out of Long Island featuring Will Smith, but that's, uh, that's also a very good extreme music podcast. Of course, this is Everything Went Black. There's Necromaniacs, where I co-host with Jeff Kashid and Mike Scandato to talk about horror films. And then on Sunday, we have, on the Lord's Day, Carl Hikara brings us Soul Knox for everything blasphemous, esoteric, and weird in the universe. Also, I'd like to extend thanks to everyone who has been joining the Patreon. We've got a nice group of guys over there and a couple of gals, actually, too, which uh, surprised me. Uh, It's nice to know that there are ladies out there who listen to this show. But, yeah, we have a bunch of cool stuff going on. Pretty much weekly, we got stuff coming at you. Uh, Either it's the Friday staff pick where either... Well, now Ralph has joined the fray on that, too. We uh, come at you with a cool movie, book, or record that might not be very well known that we think that you guys all should be listening to or checking out. Then there's also the other random stuff that's um, bonus material. There's Long Shadows, what I do with Ralph. That's the weird fiction sub-show. There's Hollywood Babylon which Evan Hopper and I do, which is a movie podcast about just film classics, things like that. And you can join for as little as $1 a month. That gets you the bonus material for $5 a month. It gives you the bonus material plus early access to everything on the regular channel. And for $25 a month, you can be a sponsor. If you have a business, a band, or anything you're looking to promote, I will give you a custom ad read, similar to what I do for Portland Distro, at the front of the podcast, and you can do this for one month or as long as you want. And you can determine the length or 
degree to which you support the show. It's up to you. Anyway, now on to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the show, so I, I, I was, when, when you asked me to come on, I was, I was quite honored, as, as, you, as you well know. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. It was, I never know. It's, it's actually really cool when I run into people who actually listen to this thing, and uh, especially when it's someone who I am also a fan of. I mean, I'm a big Ken Mode fan, and uh, I've uh, you know, been following those guys for what was it, two decades at least, you know? <laughs> well, I, I, just, I just played with them. I shouldn't say just because it was before the pandemic started, but we, we just had the, the band's 20th anniversary. I guess it would have been in 2019, is it? Yeah, it was, it was the last show we played before, uh, you know, everything shut down. So, yeah, the, they've been around for a very long time. Well, Jesse has been on this podcast a couple times over the years, mm-hmm. and uh, I figured it It'd be about time to talk to someone else in the band besides him, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, I like he, he. The thing is, I think we all. Uh, he's been the face of the band for you know him and Shane. Like Shane, Shane has been obviously a huge proponent of that. And I don't. Sometimes I'm not sure uh, whether he he likes doing the interview thing or not. It's kind of hard to tell. Like, I, but but Jesse doesn't mind doing it. So I mean, he's. I mean, he's typically been the go-to guy for the band for well, the, you know, the entire, you know, runtime of the band, which, as he said, is over two decades at this point. So it, yeah. it makes sense to kind of defer to him, but also at some point, uh, I mean, I think that I think that we ended up figuring out that we might have more to talk about when we we had a chance to talk, and I think we we got into movies a little bit and that kind of thing, and, and I think we realized there might be a conversation there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Ken Mode has had a a long long laundry list of different bass players over the years so how but you've been in the band for a while man forever it seems like uh, it's been since 2014 no i actually i, I double checked because i knew that that was going to come up and i think i've been frequently getting it wrong and shortchanging myself because i think i've been telling people that i've been in the band since 2015 but that's actually the year i think that's the year success came out so the first record i was on but i toured uh, their record in trench with them for uh, a little bit and they kind of took a long period of breaking me in before I think they were comfortable signing off on me being the uh, the uh, the full-time guy so um, it it they went through if you look at the discography there was a big run where basically their their rhythm would be that they would get a new person they'd write a record with them and then that person would usually do either like very little touring on the rep. Like they, they would tour the previous bass players record, write a new record. And then, uh, and then they'd be gone by the time it was time to tour the record they wrote with the band. <laughs> so they, they went through like a lot of people, uh, in a kind of a short, well, it, it's funny because for the length of the band, like it's not unusual to go through that many members, but in the, in the period in which it happened, it does look like a revolving door. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I never really thought of it that way. I just know, I mean, I, I'm not completely unfamiliar with lineup changes, as you know. Like, I've had, you know, a lot yeah, of different yeah, guys yeah. <laughs> in and out of tombs. And, and uh, you know, if you look at it on paper, it's like, oh, geez, this guy can't even keep it together. But, you know, mostly people have stayed in for several years, and then things have kind of evolved. And that's, you know, I understand, you know, the rigors of doing this kind of thing. And, uh, 
you know, it's not cut. Not, not everyone's cut out for it. But you've been in the band for we're, we're what eight nine years. It'll be ten years soon yeah. before you know it. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, I'm I'm pretty. Uh, it, there was a lot of. I mean, I I'm probably just out of kind of like a matter of discomfort. I I joked probably more than anybody about you know my my time being up with uh, with with the band and my expiry date hitting or whatever. And <laughs> it almost like the joke almost doesn't work anymore because I'm still making it all the time. Like you know, I just I you know I'm always I'm always uh, asking them who's next and all that kind of stuff. But it's like kind of almost kind of a stodgy lame joke now. <laughs> Now, my understanding of the Canadian geography is that you don't necessarily live that close to those guys. So how did how did you all meet? Uh, I believe the first time, like we ended up meeting online um, through, and it was, this was going back to MySpace days. And the way that it happened was my, uh, my other band that um, I'm, that I'm still in, like the band that I, I front and am kind of, I'm the singer and lead guitar player and well, not lead guitar player, guitar player. Um, but the, the, the band that I've been in for forever and a day was just trying to find some, uh, you know, uh, similar minds in heavy music in Western Canada. And so back in MySpace days, you would search for, you know, influences or whatever. And Ken mode was the only other band that came up as having any, shared influences in in western canada and then i heard them and i was like this this band is in the next province over from from us like i couldn't because there was nothing going on that was even really of interest to me in 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 our province so like i'm uh for 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 listeners who don't know the canadian geography i'm i'm a i'm a cool like nine hour drive away from them like we're we're not in the same province we're 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 a ways off and um, so I started reaching out to them at that point because I wanted to play shows with them really badly. But I mean, that's a big ask. Like that's you know like a you know pretty big travel. So I had to kind of hang tight until they finally came through town, and then we ended up hitting it off quite well. We played some shows together, like between our two bands, and we just kept in touch and just got on quite well. But when you know over the years when things were you know like it, when they were in between bass players, I started putting my hand up when they were looking. And um, even though I was woefully underqualified, I think to fill the shoes, but they uh, they eventually, I, I I still to this day like I'm almost scared to ask. I I haven't really asked them at any point why they actually decided to take a shot on me. I'm not sure. It's like you know, getting close to ten years later, and I'm I'm not I'm not sure why I, my number ended up coming up. But um, they uh, they when they knew that they were going to have to make a transition, they they sent me the tabs and just said, "Do you think you can handle it?" Now, yeah. some of those influences uh, that you guys have in common, I imagine, would be bands like, uh, you know, Melvin's Today's the Day, Unsane, you know, a lot of the Amra yes. sort of stuff. Those are almost the three, like, with a bullet, actually. That was very astute. Um, specifically, uh, Today's the Day is just such an outlier because, you know, Melvin's, like, you know, there's there's tons of people who listen to music that's, I don't know, whatever, 90s, Seattle adjacent stuff that, you know, the Melvins can come up enough that, um, you know, that, that's, that's a little more common. Uh, but Unsane and Today's the Day were, were the two that like, I, I was surprised to see a band in, in Western Canada cite those two bands at all. Cause especially in Saskatchewan, there's, there's no other bands doing uh, noisy uh, kind of difficult to peg down heavy music 
which is not like I'm not pumping my own tires and saying like what I'm doing is so unique. It's just it's not particularly common in uh, in driving distance from from where I'm making music. So it was really exciting to again like that's in nine hours away that some band is making similar music. And that was exciting enough at the time, just because like, I felt like I was in such an Island out here. So um, those are, yeah, those, those two bands particularly like, and I, I was an absolutely out of my mind, huge today's the day fan at the time. Like I've, my other bands work with Steve on records and stuff like that were like, he was a huge influence on my, on my band. So seeing them come up as an influence for Ken mode was a pretty, that was, that was, that was a, that was a big one for sure. Exactly, man. I, I remember the first time I heard today is a day back in the 90s. And I was like, man, this is, you know, I thought it was like the future of music. You know, I, I was <clears throat> completely blown away. Uh, Willpower was the first one I heard. And then I went back and I checked out Supernova. And, you know, I was a fan of AMREP in general, the amphetamine reptile label. So <clears throat> I was like <clears throat> picking stuff up on the regular, you know, that they were putting out. And, you know, 90% of the stuff I dug, like the cows, you know, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, Unsane had a seven inch on AMREP and they put that uh, scattered, smothered and covered record. And Unsane were another band I always loved just because they kind of had like this like street, more street, like Lower East Side, like vibe to their music than some of the other bands. And uh, yeah, they to do. The- and you know what? Like they say so much with their sound that is like you can't fake. That's one of the things I like. I think the most about that band is they seem like there's something about Chris's. Uh, he has a very very particular swagger to the way he writes. Even in his side projects, there's something about him that is there's a particular honesty about like him him having such a pronounced accent to the way he does things. And there's something about it that just feels like, as you said, the street. I'm not sure what that is exactly. Cause yeah. if I knew what it was, then, you know, then that would, because I don't have that. <laughs> it's so identifiable. It's a, it's a, it's a really, it's like they, they, they are, they, they dominate that sound. It's great. Anyone who tries to rip them off, that's what's missing in the, in the, in the mix when they, when they try to rip them off. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. They're, they're an interesting band because, uh, you know, the, the scene that they came out of with bands like surgery and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the post boss hog kind of stuff, you know, which mm-hmm. early nineties, late eighties, like lower East side, New York city, uh, you know, Sonic youth had already become like a huge band. And, uh, there was all these like grimy sort of <clears throat> city bands, <clears throat> excuse me, comprised of people that had moved to New York, either from, you know, Jersey or Long Island, or in Chris's case, I think he's from California originally, uh, that moved to New York to kind of do their thing. And it was interesting because it was like blues, like noise stuff, like maybe they'd heard like some of the early swans, uh, maybe stuff by fetus, you know, this kind of experimental thing with like noise and blues and just like an attitude. And it was also this weird intersection with like street culture too. And um, mm. that was like a very, very interesting time. And I'm a fan of, you know, like the John Spencer blues explosion and, you know, surgery. And it seems like well, on the surface, it, none of those you, bands. You mentioned a lot of bands there that actually you've probably seen color of noise. I'd imagine. Hey, the Amrap yeah. Yep. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Where they talk about who was all in that one practice room at the same time. It was like, what was it? It was unseen cop shoot cop surgery and, and boss hog or something like that. Yeah. We're all in yep. the same room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh yeah. Cop shoot cop. That's another band. And you know, and it's yeah. like unsane, like they, you know, they got signed to relapse and then there was like this, they, they were never like a metal band. You know what I mean? They were this like weird yeah. artsy, like street, Lower East Side band that operated like on a national and international level. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they toured with Neurosis, but they weren't quite like that. You know, they didn't key into that same vibe that Neurosis did. But, yeah, they've always been a huge influence. And, like, I don't know, they just look like like troublemakers, too. Like, whenever you'd see that lineup, mm-hmm. especially the, the lineup with, like, Vinny Signorelli. Actually, I don't even know if Vinny's still in the band or not. Um, I mean, I don't know officially what's going on. Like, I know that they, I know Chris is touring with, um, uh, it's the drummer from Daughters and the bass player from Made Out of Babies, and they're doing, uh, they're doing all early cuts because they're, yeah, they're they're doing, they're focusing on all stuff. I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't know if it's that defined. It's like that's that's how it's kind of being pitched, though. Uh, um, wow. And I'm not sure whether whether Dave and Vinny are I, 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 in the wings, and I don't, I have no idea what's going on with that. But yeah, they're they're that's that's kind of the deal right now. One of the cooler things was I remember uh, the first few times, I mean, the first several years that I was seeing on Saint play, Chris was playing a Telecaster through like a like a Fender Twin or something like that, like some totally yeah. weird setup with like a very unique guitar sound. Well, and it really cuts is the big thing. Like, I mean, I think that his another one of the things about that band that is uh, it can't be overstated is just the sonic awareness of how to it like it like i mean obviously they're crushing they're, they're punishingly loud but it's something about the way they cut that is that that hurts the most about them and i can't stress that enough one of the things i love about that band is how much they hurt you as a listener and it's and it's that awareness of like making sure that everything is audible all the time like just they're you know because they are they're, they're they're spare there's not a ton of things going on but everything counts like every single thing that's being played is is important and and and, and kind of it just there's no fat on the bone with them like and i love that about their sound for sure which is like very different from if you compare it to something like today's the day where steve is doing like you know just layers and layers and layers of things it's a very different approach uh uh and, and you know i i don't think one one is right or wrong or whatever but theirs is this it's it's a uh, it's very focused yeah, those are two bands I think that people are definitely going to remember in history. Like as you know, when you you know go back and look at certain eras of music, those two bands are going to stand out for sure. Well, and, to, and with today's day, like I said, with with me and me and uh, the Ken Lowe guys linking up over that band, like it, they had just kind of I feel like that band had just pulled me back into heavy music. Uh, kind of just in a, you know within a few years before I kind of started, you know, I had been playing in nothing but heavy bands, but I had hit a spot in my listening where I really wasn't listening to a lot of like loud music. I had because uh, that would have been you know kind of my late teens or whatever, and um, I didn't really I didn't have the internet until a little later than most folks, and I didn't know what was going on in underground music because Saskatchewan is we're out here, man. We're in, it's it's not uh, it's no one tours through here it's like i said like you know even finding out there was anyone listening to similar music to me within a nine-hour drive was exciting for me when i found it out 
but I um, like with what I was seeing in mainstream heavy music at that time, I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't have anything in common with this. Like, I guess I just don't like metal anymore. Like, this isn't for me. And that's when I started kind of really delving into like a lot more goth stuff and uh, industrial and post-punk and all that kind of stuff that's where my education on all that started happening because that was who I was being in school that's who I was hanging out with I was hanging out with a lot of weird art kids and um I was getting in all that stuff so when I when I finally found today's the day I was like oh I just hadn't really found I I, I hadn't heard anything that I responded to in so long and when I heard that band I was like oh this is like exactly what it's all about they you know there there's there's only a few bands the, in in my, in my time that have had that big of an impact on me and they're like they're one of the biggest for sure for sure what what other active bands do you have going on because i know i know you're busy i know you got other stuff going on so what's the other uh mm-hmm. other you're, you're you're fronting a band as well uh two actually uh oh. so again because uh, because like from you know back home we, we have a much busier scene and well i shouldn't say busier like i'm 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 more entrenched in, in, in kind of busy within the, the music scene than, you know, when I, when I'm talking about the old days, I'm talking about when I was, you know, 18, 19 or something like that. So, I mean, I just wasn't probably as versed in what was going on, you know, to be fair, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm in there, there's the, the one band that I reference, especially when just talking about my band history that I, that is inescapable and kind of funny, given that I'm talking to you is a band called Adeline that I have been, it's ostensibly an outgrowth from my first garage band. Like it, it, it really like I, my, I was playing with people who we, we were, we, it was kind of like a bad relationship that we just all didn't know how to break up. And it took a really long time for us to kind of like, we, it just kept being iterations of this original band. We all started when we were 15, 16 and, um, uh, me and the guitar player in that band are are still left over from when we were, I think, 18 we started playing together. So that band's been going forever in a day. And it's kind of a, uh, it's it's a really important band for me. The reason why I said I thought it was, it was funny that I'm talking to you is because uh, a lot of the time when I say Adeline, usually people double, you know, they do a double take and they say Anodyne. And I go, no, not. <laughs> not people not remember. Anodyne. People remember Anodyne. Wow, Damn, I don't think anyone thought about that band anymore. <laughs> they, they, well, the, the Canlo guys menace me about that sometimes. Actually, um, yeah. Well, it's, you know what the real, like, the funny story. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not that interesting, but I think, I think it's kind of funny. Is um, the name Adeline came from uh, us? We were, we Anodyne was the name we were looking at. And uh, again, I didn't at that time, I didn't really have the net or anything like that. So I couldn't check and see if there was another band out. I didn't know about you guys at the time. And um, one of us misspelled Anodyne at one point and we wound up with a different name. And we, you know, it, it, and then by that point, we had figured out that there was another band. So we said, oh, I guess we're Adeline instead. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. That is kind of funny. But but we yeah like that band is a really major like artistic focal point for me like that band is kind of uh, th- th- that's the space I have to be you know incredibly honest and uh, is a uh, is kind of my you know like my baby whatever you want to call it 
Um, and it's a, and it's a baby that we don't know how to put down. It just keeps, keeps going and going. We've got, we're, we're, I'm working on a few records with that band right now. I'm also in another band called the gray light district, uh, that is starting to, we, we took a pretty long layoff, but we're, we're, we're getting our second record together right now. And then I work on, um, I just finished my first soundtrack for a short film. Um, uh, I'm over the pandemic. I figured out how to, uh, kind of demo more appropriately. So I've been working on a lot of side project stuff. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working all the time. I'm, That's I'm, awesome. I'm constantly working on music. Yeah. I knew about Adeline, but I didn't know about all this other stuff. That's great, man. The soundtrack stuff sounds fascinating. What's what's that all about? Uh, well, I was asked by a filmmaker who was uh, he's. I mean, this this dude's a success story unto himself. This guy named Mitch Oliver, who's a friend of mine, who kind of just cast it all to the wind and like threw his hands up and said, like, you know what, I'm I'm quitting my job and I'm getting into to film like he was he's a really he he runs a podcast called uh the terror table he's a really he's a big horror guy and um he knew that what he was doing with his life wasn't working you know it wasn't working in the right direction it wasn't doing what he wanted to do and he said he was going to reinvest all of his energy into making his first short film and then he's going to see what happened after that and so he kind of just shut everything down and got to work and uh uh, I was talking to him about it and just, you know, seeing what was going on with his life. And uh, and it was inspiring to hear. And I can't remember whether he said it or whether I volunteered. But I said, like, if you need any music for it, like I'm I'm working on a bunch of music that would be probably would fall under the umbrella of being soundtracky. And if it, you know, you you know, like I, I don't have a home for it. And uh, it turned into me writing all the music for this 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 uh short that's played a ton of festivals now it's gotten a few awards um mitch moved out to vancouver and is involved in the, the movie industry out there now um and uh yeah i, I it's it, it was an opportunity for me to like i i i'm, I'm i i like a lot of uh I, i'm into soundtrack music and sure. so and i don't uh, there's no reason why anyone should presume that i'm you know working away in my in my office working on stuff for uh that's in that umbrella right so it's a it's a load of music that i've been working on but no one's anticipating so no one's asking about and it's turned it turned into a vehicle for me to finally actually shoot some of that out into the world so um i'm pretty i'm pretty excited to have had the opportunity because i also don't really know what i'm doing like it was a lot of experimentation the approach is like I'm, i'm completely unschooled i don't know anything about putting music together properly so a lot of it was me um you know, doing a lot of torturous things to broken in- instruments in order to, you know, get weird sounds and that kind of thing. It's more of that type of approach. What's the name of the film? Uh, the name of the film is The Druid's Hand. The Druid's Hand. And uh, where, it, can you watch yeah, that the anywhere? Druid's Hand. Is it, is it available uh, it to watch? It is not available online just now because it is still doing the festival circuit. I think it's, I know that... Uh, well, I think I think the online release might be coinciding with the, the, the there's a uh, like boutique VHS label called Videonomicon that's doing uh, a, like a limited release of it, um, and I think maybe the I, I don't think there's a date for it yet is the big thing. I, I I I'm not sure when. I know I know it's it's almost done doing its festival run. It's just it's now done. I think probably close to ten festivals. And uh, every time they think that it might be the coast is clear and they can maybe put it up, they get accepted to another festival. So they've just been kind of, <laughs> it's been kind of hard to 
to, to track down for folks. It, we'll, we'll all be making a big fuss about it once once it's ready to be online because I'm 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 excited for people to see it. That's exciting, man. Maybe, maybe I can have yeah. both the, both of you guys come on the show when around the time it gets uh, released online or something. Oh yeah, he'd he'd love to. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll uh, yeah I'll, I'll I'll keep you in the loop on that. I'll see if uh, I'll I'll see if I can uh, work some magic and get uh, get you a screen or two. Oh, dude, that would be killer, man. I, we'll, I'll review it on Necromaniacs or something like that that we could uh, mm-hmm. you know talk about on that as well. Um, yeah. so scoring, okay. There was a period about ten years ago <clears throat> where I had um, mm-hmm. I've been working doing sound for like short films and uh, not scoring, but did you score the film like the way a, a composer would score it, where you're actually watching the film and putting your, your cues together and that sort of thing? Or did you just write a bunch of music that thematically fit with the movie? Uh, well, both. Um, and, and I probably did it all backwards. I, I'm assuming, I don't assume the best of myself, so I always assume that I've done it improperly, but it's it's how it, how it got done. I, uh, I I actually was one of the first people to read the script, and so I marinated on it a little bit and was working on on melodies and stuff, and just kind of. Uh, um, I, I'm not sure how a, a real composer does this stuff. I'm not. Uh, I, I, I you know I'm not, I'm not sure what the process looks like, but for me, I really wanted to get in there and kind of live in the project a little bit. So I was working on music in a very rough fashion before I had a chance to really uh see anything because like for i don't know probably a couple of months at least i was working on music and sending them stuff uh you know just at like i was probably being annoying i was probably being irritating you know sending them all of this uh you know like i like i really like composing stuff for uh for piano i like i'm i'm, I'm really melody heavy because i think that that's missing in a lot of contemporary horror and um I was sending them stuff like that. Oh, oh yeah, I kind of buried the lead there. I love writing for piano, but I can't play piano, so I'm kind sure. of putting everything together on 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 MIDI, like really painstakingly, because I can hear those songs in my head, but I I don't you know don't know how to play properly, so I'm kind of Frankensteining everything together as I go, and um, I, I guess they just ended up using all of my demos as the soundtrack to them finishing up their drafts and stuff. So that was kind of playing in the background, which is kind of cool. And then when it got time to actually get down to it, there's a lot of very reactionary cues in it. So I figured out how to make it so that I was scoring it, I guess, semi-properly and that I was uh, um, editing all of the sound cues, uh, like, well, or not sound cues. I don't want it, you know, like I wasn't doing any sound design. I was just doing the music, but I was uh, doing all of the uh, the music to, uh, to uh, be... Uh, uh, completely queued up with with uh, with the short um, like with uh, on on the program I was using so um, very like a lot of really delicate playing went into that because I was trying to uh, you know like I, like I was saying some of the some of the instrumentation I was using were broken instruments so like nailing a take just right so that it was uh, you know like a guitar string that I was reefing with a you know like a pair of pliers or something like that needed to like be just the right take or it wasn't going to go. So it was, it was a lot of, uh, <laughs> uh, it was a lot of really, really delicate surgery to get it all to adhere. But yeah, I was, I was, I was going along to the film towards the end. Some of the melodies had preexisted, but then I would reperform them. So yeah, like it, it was definitely, uh, uh, the, it's, 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 uh, 
it's very it was very taut there's a, there's a lot of music crammed into that 13 minutes so damn that's cool man that's awesome yeah. have you uh have you heard of that movie sator sator it's um, uh yeah it's like a this really atmospheric like dark uh horror film oh you know what i think uh when did that come out uh a couple of years ago at this point um maybe two I, years ago maybe um, 2020 it came out it came out 2019 I'm, technically I'm, yeah yeah right i'm you know I, I, the thing is is i think that that was in my i'm i'm gonna feel like a, so the, the the thing is is by virtue of my my day job i'm i'm uh like i see i just see so much stuff that sometimes I get a little backwards on, no, you know what? I haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm looking at the poster right now. Right. That was a shutter one. Um, I've seen, I've seen, I've circled this one a bunch, but I haven't actually seen it. Well, I interviewed the director, writer, composer, editor, whatever. He did the whole thing. I don't, I don't know if he actually acted in it or not, but this guy, Jordan Graham. And it's funny. You're describing your approach to scoring the film. It's very similar to his, and uh, the the score for Seder hasn't been released yet, or or I don't know if there's plans to do it or not. But when I interviewed him, he was talking about his uh, process, and he had no idea how to play any of the instruments that he did, had that he used. And in my mind, I'm listening to the score. I'm like, oh, this guy's probably into like Silver Mount Zion and like Sun and you know all these like you know super like artsy you know, kind of uh, drone bands. Mm. And he's like, nah, man, I'm into like Metallica and Slayer and stuff like that. And I just, <laughs> I don't know. Any, I don't even know who those bands are. You know, he's <laughs> like, I just picked up, I needed a film score. And he did this whole thing like independently, like literally independent, you know, like he didn't have anyone really See, just... That's that's even better than me because like I mean I at least have a little bit of background or whatever like you know the stuff that I don't know how to do is more the the you know anything like I, I fake my way through some string stuff and 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 that type of thing but I mean I I've I've definitely done my time doing uh, more more experimental soundscaping prod you know I've I've been involved in you know noise music here and there and so like I mean I at least have my toes wet in that front I'm not completely just going in blind that way some of that stuff was felt like home enough but to to have somebody you know do, yeah do a quick about face and be you know have you have you go like oh this sounds like some you know, some wild Tim Hecker shit and have them go like no nah, it's just the black album <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just like his idea when you mentioned broken instruments and stuff. He's like, you know, I bought a like a, a bass and I just detuned it and used that. And I was like, man, you're like, I, I would. When I asked him about the releasing the, the soundtrack, the score, he was like, why? <laughs> like, why would anyone want to listen to this? I'm like, I, I think it'd be cool. So I don't know if it's ever going to come out. But yeah, it's, I don't know, that stuff's so fascinating, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've gotten really attached to it. So like it's, the tough thing for me about releasing a soundtrack is that I'm I'm that's a self-driving thing and I need to I need to get my shit together and do it and I I kind of uh, as has always been the pro one of the, one of the great things about working with Ken Mode is those those guys drive the you know they're very driven and very determined they really move forward quickly they've got you know they've got plans and when it comes to stuff that I have to hatch I'm I'm kind of a 
I'm a, I'm pretty brutal self doubter. And I, I put a lot of, I put a lot of, uh, <laughs> I put a lot of my own roadblocks up and do a, I spend a lot of time going like, ah, nobody gives a shit about this. And I know I want to release the soundtrack in some capacity. And, and, and I know that I'm really attached to all the, the music on it. And I, and I, and I'd like to do more music like it, but I just, I, I've, it's, it's, it's too easy to throw a bunch of other shit in your way. And, you know, especially since I'm figuring out how to do it on my own, like it's very time consuming and I, you know, there, I have other records I should be working on and all that kind of stuff, but you know, the other records I'm getting in my own way on those too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's common, man. I mean, everyone experiences that. I bet even if you talk to Jesse and Shane to some extent, they get in their own way too, man. That's like such a common thing. Yeah. Now you you mentioned uh, releasing this score. Uh, is it something that another label will be involved with, or is it something that you, you're going to be doing independently? Well, see, the thing is, at this point, I'd like to I'd like to take a look and see if there's any options for people who have a better idea of what they're doing than me to be you know to be releasing it. I would kind of. Uh, because I've done the, I've, 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 you know, off the side of my desk, done, done, a, you know, like the, the indie label thing kind of in a pre band camp world. And, um, you know, it, it worked for my own project in so far as like, nobody was mad at me when it didn't, you know, go great. Like it didn't, you know, it didn't, didn't, uh, didn't matter all that much if, you know, like a CD didn't move a shitload of copies. It wasn't, you know, no one was, was, you know, upset or anything like that. Um, but I, if, if, if it is okay, I'd kind of like for someone who has a better idea of how to, uh, to get it out to the world to, to do that. Cause I think that that's a spot that I'm not, I'm not strong at because it involves me, uh, figuring out a way that I can tell everyone that I think that this is worth doing. Right. Yeah. Like I, like I was saying before, as far as like being my own advocate, I haven't been the strongest at that over the years. And, uh, especially since this is ostensibly going to be you know, a, a, a solo focused thing, like the idea, the, the hubris of me to, to bring this to the world and say that I think that, you know, it deserves to be out there. Like just, it turns my stomach to even think about it. So I kind of wouldn't mind having somebody else be the advocate for it. Um, but I know, you know, if, if, if that doesn't pan out, I, I, I will probably release it in some capacity on my own. I've kind of just started getting, uh, back into doing that a little bit in March. Uh, I did a split with, uh, Adeline did a split with, um, our friends, the Weir from Calgary. Um, and it was just like kind of a limited cassette only thing, uh, because it was, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a couple of Portishead covers. And so, but we definitely didn't get them cleared. So we didn't put them up online anywhere. It was right. just a, um, like a, a limited cassette run that was all hand screened, uh, covers and like, uh, actually not not unlike the 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 current uh, amphetamine reptile model of putting a lot of work into the full package and kind of it being a like a little work of art is kind of the aim for it um i would you know i i, I would do it on a lot because we did that at like a i think like a 50 copy press or something like that it was really limited and if i did but release the solo stuff i would like to do it on a larger scale than that not nah, totally, man. I, and I think you got to put those thoughts out of your head, man, about, you know, oh, what what kind of hubris is this? That you No, know, nah, you got to throw that out, man. You got to not think about those things. You think about the work that you put into this and how that from nothing you created, from like the, the void, you created this whole work that 
more people that people yeah. need to hear you know and that that's how you should focus on that because that's really what you did i uh, no you're and i know i know i know you're correct i've got a couple of other i mean i'm i i i'm i have i have a few much smarter people in my life uh than myself who have the same thing to say and so i should be heeding a word but i just it's a it's a it's a you know it, it's a start getting out of bed some days man <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. I think, I mean, every, yeah, yeah. you know, not, not for nothing. Everyone's, everyone struggles like that, man. You know, so it's not just you. It's like everybody yeah. has those moments where you're like, why, why do I even bother? Like, why do I get up? Who cares? Yeah. Like I should just stay under the covers all day. And, you know, yeah. but yeah, it's just, well, and, uh, and it is fun. like, I mean, the, the cumulative effect of like, I mean, if we're looking at the raw material i'm sitting on right now it's it's you know basically basically like a, a kind of a full length for this soundtrack thing i have two adeline records that i need to finish like the the tracking is done on them uh for like all of the main stuff but like i'm talking two full lengths for that band that i'm sitting on um a full gray light district record uh i wrote EPs for kind of two new projects that um, they're more in a demo phase, but I'm pretty happy with the songs. I need to figure out what, you know, like what, what a band situation would even look like for those. And that's all to not even speak of the fact that there is going to be another Ken mode record this year. So it's oh, just like, nice. I'm, I'm sitting on a preposterous amount of, and that's just music, right? <laughs> Damn. Now you got, you know, that stuff's gotta be freed. There has to be uh yeah, Lib- liberated to the world, you know. <laughs> wow, I mean, I what, like, but that's the, I mean, the majority of that, like, I mean, other than Ken mode, it's all, it's all, you know, sitting in my office, and it's, it's the person who's uh, the the warden there is definitely me. I'm, I'm, I just don't feel like any, you know, like I just don't know if any of it's ready or not yet. So, uh, hopefully, I'll get some kind of a, uh, I don't know, uh, some some clarity uh, in, in in this year, and 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 get my get my life together and get some of that out there. Well, that's reassuring for sure, definitely. Yeah. So we've talked about your day job a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. and uh, as if this wasn't enough, all this creative stuff you're working on, all this musical endeavors, your day job actually seems, number one, pretty interesting and also uh, pretty, pretty uh, man-hour uh, intensive too. So you're, you're a programmer yeah. for a theater, right? Yes, uh, my my business card says I'm the film programmer, but um, in the places the Broadway Theater in Saskatoon here, it the thing is is we're 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 nonprofit, um, or not for profit, I guess is the preferred uh, way, way of putting it, uh, not for profit. And um, in addition to like from from the outside, it kind of looks like it's just a film theater, but it's we're actually a kind of a multi-purpose venue space that in recent years has become much, much busier as an actual venue. Um, and the thing is, is, uh, I, I know how to do all that through years of being in music, but it's, 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 uh, kind of not where I <laughs> kind of saw myself landing professionally because I, 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 it's, uh, just like the, especially the level of shows. So we're soft theater. So we're putting stuff on that's outside of my wheelhouse in terms of programming like or what i'm used to doing because i've been a you know like in, again per anyone who's been a promoter probably has deduced that i you know with you know band x comes through you know somehow finds himself coming through saskatoon i'm probably the guy putting the show on because you know there's only so many people who know uh i don't know when you know i don't know today's the day comes through town i'm putting their show on 
You know what I mean? Like no one else is going to do it. So like I do a lot of club shows and stuff like that, but that's more my background. It's less the 430 soft feeder, you know, the stampeders or something like that, or um, stuff that's like a lot more directed towards like 50 and up type uh, type shows. Um, it, but so, so in addition to doing like, like the film stuff is my passion in that place and it's what I'm, I'm into, but I'm, I'm involved in every facet of, of, of the, of the business. And I've been in, I've been at that place for, uh, I think 10 years now as well. So, um, I've held that job down while I've been out on the road and, and doing the band thing. Part of it, the flexibility is one of the things that I really love about the job because I can book a movie from the road. I don't, I don't need to be in house to, to, to book film, but like the big focus for me and professionally there is, is, is in uh, our, you know, running our film program, which the focus is largely art house um, independent. Uh, there's, we, we have a pretty like large genre component, which obviously that's where my, my, you know, my cinephile background is, is entrenched in it's being a shitty VHS, like, you know, uh, video store kid. Right. So, you know, heavy genre background and whenever I have a chance to kind of flex that muscle I, I dig doing it um so yeah I'm, I'm pretty uh the, the, I, I mean it doesn't nothing slows down when I get home and I'm done working on you know like when, being on tour or whatever it, it's actually probably the the busiest place in my life is probably the theater <laughs> wow so you mentioned VHS's now are you mm. of that age group where you've actually experienced a video VHS store Absolutely. That's where I cut my teeth, man. Okay. Yeah. I, now, you know, I'm, I'm like getting, getting, you know, becoming an old man as with with the, mm -hmm. every moment. So I'm, I'm not sure what, when the cutoff is of people who have actually experienced VHS tapes, like in the wild, you know, like at a video store. So, well, yeah. Yeah, see the big thing, like, I mean, I didn't, uh, my, 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 you know, like I didn't grow up with a ton of cash. So I was always a couple of formats behind and everything like that. So I was, you know, my, my family was VCR very, very far down the line before we got into DVD and all that kind of thing, but also it was cheaper. And for my appetite as a film goer, like I, it was cheaper to, uh, we had a lot of video stores around here that did, uh, seven movies, seven days, seven bucks. Wow. And, uh, and so that was the way, you know, like that was me every every week was was picking up, you know, going to uh, the you know the best the place with the best cult section and 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 doing all my research right and and getting caught up on it was it was the the best way to to like you know because I was my appetite was pretty out of control when I was you know in my <laughs> late teens early twenties like I really smashed through a lot of titles and. Um, uh, and I, I, I still, I'm still pretty brutal. I watch a lot of movies still for somebody who like should be, I mean, uh, at, at this point, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in, in the business enough that sometimes you'd think that it would, uh, you, you'd slow down, but if anything, I've excelled and that's not just what I'm bringing in house to the theater. Like my, um, uh, like in the wake of like, I just got the Criterion channel about a year ago. And in the oh, wake yeah. of that, I'm catching up on all these titles that I've never had access to because like, it's not a matter of like, I want to be able to say that I've seen, you know, everything that Tarkovsky's ever made. I want to see everything Tarkovsky's made because he sets my brain on fire. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's, you know, that's what I'm looking for. Like, you know, in a, 
in in a, in a world where finding you know uh, a, a real experience is so difficult to do, um, you know, like I'm I'm all I want to do is shove my head into art all the time and 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 have all my chemicals rearranged by it, right? Like that's that's what I'm I'm looking to have done. Like that's what I've been that's that fix I've been looking for since you know I saw Evil Dead the first time. It's it's you know what I'm looking for when I step into a gallery or put a record on you know no matter what the discipline is that's what I'm looking for so yeah it's funny Evil Dead comes up so much with a as a film that people have seen that's kind of transformed them it's the same thing for me too Mm -hmm. and you know I saw that on VHS tape just like you know a lot of people have and uh yeah such a a testament to just doing it yourself and I guess on a lot of ways aesthetically uh, you know, the vague Lovecraft connection, you know, with the Necronomicon that it has, which yep. in my early childhood, I was reading a lot of that stuff. Um, and then just around the time of that movie, I was within a year or two would probably be, be discovering uh, Black Flag and like SST Records and really putting forward like an effort. And Sam Raimi definitely figures into the Greg Ginn, Charles, you know, Chuck Tukowski kind of vibe like as far as getting things done and pushing things forward on your own. Mm-hmm. See, this is, this is so funny, man, because I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who had a similar, a similar experience to me because I've cited this. I've done, I, I actually did an entire podcast about, um, about evil dead with uh, the aforementioned uh, Mitch Oliver, like on his terror table podcast. Um, where I, I talk about my history with that because I uh, Evil Dead for me and I won't I won't I won't like I can I can talk about that movie and what it meant to my like process for hours because um, it, it it was a uh, that that was one of the moments like that was one of the the footholds on the ladder that 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 moved me forward like there's only a few moments like that where I can completely identify um, like okay nothing's the same now like uh, you know like and, and i had already seen army of darkness actually and at that time when i you know like as i was much younger at yeah, that point because yeah, i think totally. i saw evil dead maybe when i was was evil dead came out before i was born but yeah, I, exactly. I uh um but but when i saw army of darkness and it, it was so uh unique that i mean at the time uh this is kind of embarrassing now, but the uh, video store I was renting it from, I had rented it so many times that they just sold it to me. Um, (laughs) like I was, I would just go back and rent it every week. And, um, and like, I knew that there was other movies in the series, but it was like, I wasn't done watching it or something like that. And, and then, so you can imagine my shock when I went and watched evil dead and it was, you know, what evil dead is versus what army of darkness is. And, um, I mean, I, I still feel like my jaw never got picked up off the floor af- off after it because it rearranged what my expectations out of. Now, you you hear, like, the longer I talk, the more, um, like, discipline gets thrown out the window. Like, you know, or, you know uh, music versus movies versus uh, visual art, performance art, et cetera. Like, all of that kind of is one big... Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's one big stream for me. Sure. Um, evil dead really rearranged my expectations for art. Uh, in, 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 in specifically, like you said, with the DIY thing, now the ethics, that's the more I read about it, the more of an impression it had on me. But at the time, because it had such a, 
like I wasn't thinking about the fact that yeah, this looks like a little cheap or like it's it's so you know how how great it was that they did so much with so little. I wasn't really thinking about it because it was just the, as an experience that film was grinding me down so hard while I was watching it because it was just so relentless and it uh, primed me for like you know records not sounding. Uh, you know, like, you know, they, you know, you, you don't need to spend a million dollars. You don't need to spend a million dollars on anything to make art. Uh, you know, like I, I, I never, you know, like starting from 10 years old, I didn't think, you know, like I stopped thinking about things in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the value being in, uh, uh, you know, any, anything that the mainstream would, would require as a checkbox, because I mean, I just saw this movie that tramples all over anything I'd seen before it. And, uh, like, I mean, money clearly wasn't an issue here. There's just, it was so otherworldly and had such a huge effect again on my expectations of what, you know, like I, I didn't listen to records the same anymore. I didn't see a single movie the same anymore. And I, you know, uh, and, and the more I learned about it, like you were saying, like, it makes you feel like, oh, well, I can accomplish this. I just have to be tougher than the next guy. And, um, uh, and, and, and yeah, that one, that one, that one was one that changed all the chemicals in my brain. It was never the same after that one. I attribute like the, the, there's a few main ones for me, like the, 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 uh, the anatomy chart is ostensibly uh, that uh, Black Sabbath and Kids in the Hall. Or the, or the three main ingredients that ended up uh, kind of really shaping me in a like pre-teen world and kind of shaping what it was that I was looking for out of art. So like that, that one's a huge one. Evil Dead is just so huge to me. Do you have any expectations of this new Evil Dead film that's coming out in April? Have you seen the trailer for it or anything like that? <laughs> uh, so here's the thing on that one is I think the trailer has some stuff in it that looks kind of promising. But um, I feel like that's a that's you know a fool me once uh, <laughs> shame on you situation because I I I didn't like the remake very much and when the trailer came out I got really excited about it and I revisited the trailer a number of times and I've realized that I think the trailer for the 2013 version is awesome I think that it's cut together great and it's cut together very much in the relentless spirit of the original. And, uh, and, and I got really excited about it. And then when I saw it, I don't think it's bad. Um, it just, I, there was a, there's a number of things to do with it that let me down and I've had a hard time putting my finger on it, but it's, it's, it's almost hilarious because it's driven me back to watch it so many times. And I think that A.A. Alvarez is really good. I, like, I've liked his other movies. There's just so much about that remake that didn't, didn't move me and I and I'm still not entirely certain what it is about it but I know I don't I don't love it the way a lot of other people loved it it's fine but I it's not for me and this new one uh, there's a lot in the trailer that it's piquing my interest but like the, you, you you better believe I'm approaching it with caution like very very cautiously um I'm trying and I'm not precious about it in the same way that a lot of other folks are like I'm not one of those people who needs for things to my, my favorite entry in the series is the original evil dead and this notion of like ash needs to be there ash is barely there in the first one like he's not you know ash as we know him is is not a big component of the original movie like he's they you know they didn't they weren't thinking that the that ashley in 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 the original evil dead was going to wind up being 
um, some, you know, superhero with a chainsaw for an arm. Like he, he's a, he is a living punching bag. Um, he is, he is the, uh, uh, avatar for the, uh, or, or like kind of the cipher that the audience is meant to suffer through, which I think is really profound and really interesting. And, um, so I'm not like, I'm not overtly attached to where we've been with it. Um, and it's not a matter of that. Cause I know that that's where a lot of the old guard gets uppity about it. They get upset because it's not what's been there before. I don't think we should be doing what's been there before. We don't, we don't need more of that. We've, we've got enough of it. It exists already. Um, but do I, do that, that, does that mean I'm going to give it an automatic pass for trying some new stuff? No, not really. Um, uh, I, 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 again, cautious optimism because I do think the trailer has some interesting stuff in it, but it's looking, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm still like, I, it's, it's funny. I don't know when this will air, but like the trailer's only been out for three or four days right now. And, um, I probably watched it five times and, and I've watched both because the green band trailer has a lot of stuff in it that the red, red band doesn't. And, I'm, uh, there's a lot of stuff about it. I'm very interested about, but I, I just, I, 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 uh, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep my expectations realistic. <laughs> I'm pretty much in the same boat. I mean, I, <clears throat> at this stage of the game, I am definitely going to go see it for sure. But if I oh, just yeah. roll up, go to the theater, have like a, you know, bucket of popcorn. And when I leave, I don't feel like ripped off like that. That's kind of enough for me <laughs> at this point, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I I, I love the first one. Uh, you know, the rest was like okay. I liked the TV show that I did. I thought that was pretty good. It was interesting. It was fun. I I, I like the TV. Actually, you know what? I've I've been uh, this. This shows how much like this is give, playing my hand as far as how much of a geek I am on this stuff. Um, specifically, I I've said that because um, I, I you know I, I I love the whole like original series and everything like that. But I know that for me. Like, uh, like I, I think that the first one's like a work of art, and I think it's yeah. the isolated work of art out of all of them. Like, I think that it's 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 a transcendent piece. There's and there's only so many, there's only so many movies in that canon of like popular horror that I think really are are that. Um, but I've 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 said a number of times I think that in season one of Ash versus Evil Dead that uh, episodes eight and ten are the best thing to come out of the franchise since Evil Dead two. I think there's some great stuff in that show. Oh yeah, definitely. I I'm probably gonna I just got this box set that includes all that stuff. I want to uh, probably rewatch that stuff over the next few weeks. Um, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you know the the first entry is for me in these franchises always stands out. You know like. The two, the other one that comes to mind is Phantasm. You know that. Yes. The original Phantasm and the original Evil Dead. It's like it's the same as like listening to Hellhammer or you know something like that. Yes. Where it, where it, okay, oh, they made you, they made you, these. You films. nailed it again, man. Because like the big thing I've always said is like I don't think uh, I don't think my brain would have been ready to process. Well, not 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 only like like well like a punk rock. I don't think my brain would have been ready to pop process like uh, the first Bad Brains record if I hadn't seen Evil Dead first. But definitely when it starts, when you start moving into like you know grim like poorly recorded yeah. uh, first and second wave black metal, I think Evil Dead is what primed my brain to be ready for like well part of the experience is the is the is the ragged vehicle it travels in right and I think yeah. that completely. Like yeah, you, you you mentioning Hellhammer is the exact thought process I was talking about. And and it's like when when okay, so that 
those first movies, there's some success or whatever. We go back, we remake it with like a coat of paint on it, or we try to recapture that essence, but it's not the same, you know what I mean? And, and it shouldn't be. And that's why, like, like I'm on board with you about, well, we don't need Ash. Like you should, the, the yeah. movie shouldn't be trying to go backwards. It should be trying to go forward and expanding yeah. the mythology. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that's, that's kind of my take on it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think getting over overly attached to, uh, I mean, that's the, the, that, I mean, but that's what we're running into when it comes to franchises. We're lucky, you know, in a franchise, like, I think that if things can, I mean, I think some of the more successful franchises are ones that sprung from movies that weren't necessarily always that great in the first place. Like it doesn't really, you know, like for, for me, I like Friday the 13th just fine, but I'm not precious about it. And I don't, you know, I think it was a largely reactionary commercial piece that was, you know, like, I do think that the original one is, is like kind of reasonably scary and has some good stuff in it. But like, I don't, you know, do I give a shit if, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, like Jason's taking tango lessons and that's their angle this time. Like, not really. Like, it doesn't matter. He's going to show up and do all the same shit he always does. And it, it's, and it doesn't hinge on, you know, like it, 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 it's not going to change anything there. There isn't anything they can do within the parameters of that series that could change anything. Whereas, um, you know, something that's tried to maintain a level of artistic credibility, it, it does, those decisions matter big time. And the longer you go down the line on a franchise, the less chance, you know, you're going to maintain any integrity at all. And Evil Dead's been lucky on that front in that, like, I mean, even though I didn't really love the remake, I still don't think that it was made, like, I uh, I think I think it was made very um, earnestly. And I and I, I respect I respect what it was trying to do. I just did just didn't work for me. But if that's the worst I can say about the, you know, about any, something in the franchise, hey, we're not doing that bad because you've also got the Halloween franchise, which is an absolute, you know, crazy, yeah, wild ride. Yeah, <laughs> like that 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 whole like quadruple canon thing going on. Like, I mean, there's no you know, there there's no integrity left to to, to spare on that one. <laughs> Was there anything that came out last year that you were really into? Well, uh, tons of stuff. Like, I mean, I you know, like one one of the things that one of the bonuses about my job is I like I go to TIFF every year and and you know see sixty movies and in 10 days and everything like that. So I get to see a lot of stuff. Um, some of the stuff that I think was a little underseen that, uh, and, and like some of it, I don't even know, like you guys definitely covered some of the stuff that I dug in, on, on Necromaniacs for sure. Like I know crimes of the future came up a couple times and like, right. I'm, I'm a huge Cronenberg guy. I was really happy that that film got the visibility that it did because, um, it's easy to forget, you know, just because, you know, his name looms so large, but he, not everything he releases gets anyone, gets everyone's attention. Right. Sure. It's for, for every Eastern promises, there's still like a, you know, spider that, you know, comes out and it, no one seems to notice that it's there. Right. Spider was so great though. That, that, that's an excellent movie. Wow, spider. So good. Yeah. Uh, a really underrated movie. Like, but like, that's the thing is a lot of the stuff he's done. Like, I mean, and I'm not, I don't think he's, you know, like he's, he's a flaw. I don't think there's such thing as a flawless filmmaker, but I do think that 
um, he's got some under underrated pieces that, um, you know, like, and, and they don't always go over and crimes of the future seems to have been finding an audience in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Um, but for, for stuff that, um, that I saw that I think got, uh, under, under scene, I, I really liked, uh, there's a, I'm see if I can even pronounce this properly. The movie that came out called the Humani, uh, Corpus Fabrica that, uh, I saw during uh, during TIFF that I don't know like it's it's kind of an experimental film and so I don't know whether it I don't really know whether it's going to get a proper release or how accessible it's going to be um, but it was made by uh, this this duo uh, that uh, previously had done a movie called Canada did you ever see that or hear about no, that no no I haven't heard of either one of these things the uh... The okay. Umani Corpus Fabrica is, a, I think that's a book, isn't it? About like anatomy or something. That yes, it is because, and, yeah. and that's what it's referencing. It's um, it's a it's a documentary that I think for people who like like more experiential uh, viewing, uh, it 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 kind of will work for people who dig uh, who have patience for for kind of more, I guess, abstract style of filmmaking but it will also work for people who and this has turned into such a big market that i think that it's i think that people should try it it, it will also work for people who who allege to be really into body horror oh, um interesting because basically what it is is it is a it's a documentary that's a very like kind of fly on the wall non-judgmental not i mean i shouldn't say it's not politically motivated it clearly has an opinion but it's it's uh it's a bunch of um really uh in-depth uh surgery uh documentations that are filmed in such a way that they look kind of abstract and it's difficult to tell what it is you're looking at while you're watching it hmm. and it's these crazy wild beautiful landscapes of like physical uh abstraction and until like the camera draws out 10 minutes later and you realize you're inside of uh, like a penis that's being operated on you've had no idea what it is you're looking at um and the whole time the audio that's running over top of it is a uh, a, a bunch of doctors who are talking about how they haven't slept in 14 hours and now they're like you know they're, they're run down and like you know can't see straight and all that kind of stuff so that's that's where the Politically, it's a little motivated. Is it is a lot of it is supposed to be uh, like a comment on, um, uh, you know, how stressed the the medical system is uh, at the moment. But it's the, the 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 filmmaking, the raw filmmaking, and it is it's beautiful and terrifying. And like you don't, it shows you things about the human body that you don't even want to know. Like you don't want to slow down to think about your your body behaving that way because it just there there's some weird terror in it. Um, so that was one that I saw that was, uh, well, and, and, that, and that's, that's, that's kind of the A line. There's also a B story, well, not story, but there's a B, uh, strand in it that's going on in, uh, like an old folks wing of the same hospital and, uh, um, it kind of addresses some Alzheimer's stuff. And it, the, these filmmakers get in, uh, really closely to areas you don't want to get into uh, in the human condition. And that's why you referenced their prior film, Cannabis. Do you know anything? I don't know how uh, into uh, 
uh, like serial kill, well, not serial killer, but like true crime stuff you are. Um, I've heard you reference it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, um, like a long time ago, I was really into true crime, but lately, mm-hmm. uh, in the, I would say I'm not really into true crime in the last like 10 years or so. Right. Well, like I'm, I, I, I've been in and out myself. I'm not really like, that's not like a major, uh, preoccupation of mine necessarily, but it's, um, uh, uh, I can't, uh, I think his name's, uh, Issy Segawa. He was a, uh, um, Japanese guy that, uh, people, uh, the only, the reason he's famous is he was a student abroad and I think it was like Sweden or something like that. And he, murdered and ate a girl in the 80s i think and then he uh was deported back to japan and wrote like and drew a manga about it oh wow he he was able to like make cash off of (laughs) having done these horrible things and so he's like kind of at the heart of a lot of like ethical debate about like what happened and how he kind of people felt he really like well and he did he got away with an awful lot but um so their prior movie canada was a documentary about him and it was filmed once again very experimental and way too close like much closer than you care to be to somebody that did all the things he did and who is ostensibly unrepentant and and doesn't feel bad for having done what he's done but the the camera work is all really tight and it's it's up close to the you know the mouth of a man who has eaten a human, and um, he he's uh, he's wheelchair bound now, like he's he's like pretty much paralyzed from the neck down, and is being looked after by his brother, and so it's all of these really really uncomfortable interviews, and like these folks that made these movies are just so they want to get you in so close to some really disturbing real life horror. And uh, I, I love their stuff, but I think it's like they're festival darlings. You can always see their stuff at festivals because, like, I don't know, like high art people really dig their stuff, but it's really hard to track down outside of <laughs> outside of festivals. So I always come out of the festivals raving about their stuff, and then no one can see it, which kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, both of these sound interesting to me, except, uh, you know, yeah. I, once again, being able to find them might be tough. But, yeah, I'm going to try to track them yeah. down for sure. You should, you should. They're, I think they're absolutely worth worth the time. I feel like I've had a year of like really, uh, like <laughs> being dra- like the audience, like really dragging the audience has been been a big one because there's also a uh, Gaspar Noe's Vortex, which oh, I, yeah. I liked quite a bit as well. And I know that that was for a lot of folks that was a really tough watch. And while well, I, I mean it was, I don't know, it was a tough watch for me too, but it was still still topping out my list for sure. I, I actually uh, did not see that just because of um, you know the subject matter. I'm not I, having had to deal with some uh, you know personal stuff. Uh, I was I, I'll wait till I see that one. Let's put it that way. It, it's it's as you know, like uh, having been around some of it myself. It um, it's as tough a movie as you're ever gonna find on that yeah. subject matter, and. You know, as much as like for a horror guy, like you probably want to see Dario Argento tackle it. And he is an excellent actor, by the way. Oh, like good really, really good. Yeah. Um, but it's it's as hard a film like and there's been some really, really great films made about getting towards the end of life and losing a grip on, you know, 
your you know reality and everything like that. There's been some really really great films made. Uh, like I think Sarah Pauly's Away from Her is is really amazing, and like there's you know some stuff that's not as brutal as this one was, but there's a few components, especially the length of this one, that make this one just so it's it's if 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 you don't think it's something your heart can take, I wouldn't recommend doing it until you feel like you're really ready for it. It's it's a tough watch. Yeah, I mean Gaspar Noé's movies in general are are very like they they don't pull their punches at all you know what i mean you're getting no. full impact no, no way for sure yeah i caught lux yeah, eterna which that... um which also came out last year lux eterna i thought was awesome uh see and lux eterna is that's that one's funny because it's almost like the uh <laughs> um it, it it's it's almost like the evil twin like because it's it's rather than be like it's it's much shorter and it's him you know, giving into some of his worst compulsions as a filmmaker in a great way. Like for me, I ran Lux Eterna and um, Vortex as a double feature at my theater. Um, and uh, and it, I think that like you c- you can't do two Lux Eternas back to back. It's too much. You'll overload someone's brain. You definitely can't do two Vortexes back to back, but they complement each other in a really interesting way because uh um, Vortex is him at his most like I mean I've never seen Gaspar Noe this metered like he's so respectful of the subject matter and is so calm and present and everything like that but Lux Eterna is is I mean next to maybe Climax is him at his worst you know behaved as far as like editing and just like you know like kinetic behavior and uh, and and I I like I think that uh, watching those two back to back was uh, like I mean that's one of my favorite theater experiences of the year for sure and like I I yeah like I, I do you do you dig Noe's stuff in general or? yeah definitely yeah for sure I mean I thought climax yeah. was pretty yeah. cool too um, yeah, yeah it's funny with Lux Eterna though it's almost like he's like I need another screen we have to have two screens and yeah. there's like the stories going on some of it's in English some is in French it's like it just you know. Beatrice Dodds like talking shit through the entire part, you know, entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's I loved it though. I thought it was great, man. Just the way it looked yeah. too, the ending, you know, everything. Oh, it, it's it, it, it's powerful. I mean, he doesn't like the amount of command he has over visual storytelling is like I mean, it's pretty unparalleled. And I've been like, I go in and out of like the thing is generally speaking, I like his stuff. I there's things that I've been critical of in the past in terms of just like I do think that like the only one I really struggled a lot with was was Enter the Void, um, and it was just because I thought that the there was things that happened in it that were really powerful and really cool, but I I thought that it was a little. I don't know. It was a little on the nose with all the Book of the Dead stuff, and like I just thought that the, the it, there, there's something missing in the mix. But like I mean, his his command on space and and uh, movement and propulsion is just like who who else can even do that? Like nobody, nobody. He's he's you like very unparalleled. I, I I love the like I really do love his work. I think it's it's it's, it's really exceptional. And Lux Eterna is just like. By the end, when you get to the point where it's time to go into a full meltdown, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't want to even, like, stand up after it was over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, you know, I Stand Alone, like, all those films. Uh, they Like I said, he doesn't pull any punches, man. It's just, like, no. you know, it goes right to the throat. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I also enjoy yeah, uh, well, Charlotte Gainsbourg as an actress too. I think she's uh, you know, she's always really good in films. Well, she's a uh, well, yeah, and like I think that those are the the casting the in the decision to um, have them play themselves, I think, was really cool. There was something about it that grounded it that way, and and I think that she's uh, like I I I like her. Um, I mean, Charlotte's stuff in general, I think, is always really quite good. But I've um, in recent years, I've really found myself really, really close to a lot of the stuff that she's done with Von Trier. Yeah. And like like specifically um, one of uh, one of I I, I screened uh, the Nymphomaniac movies where I guess like, you know, they were released as two separate parts um, and I screened them uh uh, as a double feature at my theater. And I still remember when it cut from the first one to the second one and the lights came up. Like I felt like I've told this story a few times, but I like Von Trier has a tendency to, in a in a weird way, make me feel oddly seen, I guess, as the kids say, mm-hmm. um, he, like, there's a lot baked into his flicks that make me, uh, feel like kind of accused uh, and kind of like, you know, he, cause he, he, he punishes an audience for sure too. Like he, he really like has a tendency to turn the mirror on you. And I think though he, he get he does that in an interesting way. Cause he does that by accusing himself. Like, I think the thing that gets lost in the mix when people get upset about him is they always forget how hard a lot of this material, you know, like it, it, it's rooted in self, uh, self-assessment and he's, he's always being really harsh on himself and uh in an infomaniac though like i mean charlotte's performance like i i responded to in such a strong way in a way i have a hard time like i have a hard time almost pegging down um like but on an emotional level like she she reached a few heights in those over the run time of the infomaniac movies specifically and also also an antichrist frankly yeah um that I, in, in some otherworldly way I was responding to, like it, it, it was less literal. Like it's funny because of the content of those two movies. It makes it sound like I, I have some kind of weird sexual hang up or something like that. But um, it, it has more to do with the fevered pitch of those performances at their, at their kind of most, uh, their highest levels of abandon. I, I respond to and recognize as being places that, um, uh, I, 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 my, you know, I, I recognize them from a distance as being the types of places that I would like to be reaching myself. You know what I mean? Sure. And, um, uh, I, I, like, I, I, I think she's, she's a fucking phenom. I think she's so good. <laughs> yeah. That was, Antichrist, I think was the first time I'd seen her in a film. Uh, you know, I, I saw that in the movies in the theater, by the way, that was, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I went to go see anti, um, uh, Nymphomaniac, I did not see in the theater. I saw that at home um, when it was released. But, yeah, that, that's probably a, long... a saner way to watch that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I wanted I wanted to see it in the theater, but I, at the time, it wasn't really showing anywhere. And um, that's like, mm-hmm. what, like five hours of, of content, really? Like, if you watch the entire it, thing in one shot, right? Yeah, yeah, well, that's why we split it. Like, I mean, the, the, the distributors, I don't know what they were doing in the States, but in Canada, they split it up so yeah. that if you didn't want to do, 
both at once. You didn't have to, and I don't think anyone should have to. I mean, I was kind of happy to do it, but it's 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 a long hang. That's a that's a that's a and 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 it's tough all the way through. There's nothing. I mean, he's you know quite you know famously you know like by the end of Nymphomaniac, the big <laughs> not not to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I mean it, a lot of the um, insistence of that movie is that there is no way out and it stays as bad as you know like you know nothing his his i can't remember what he was saying at the time there was a quote that von trier was throwing around about like oh yeah he kept saying no more happy endings is what he kept saying which i kind (laughs) of loved and i know that that's just him being a provocateur and like it's just him i mean that has like that you know has a nice ring to it to just say no more happy endings as if he ever had I was going to say, like, life, but, it, he destroys yeah. the entire world in melancholia. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, right. And, so. But, like, I mean, but, like, he's, he's you know, like, I, I thought that, I mean, the very, very tail end of Nymphomaniac, a little on the nose, but also I don't think it was nonetheless devastating for it. Um, and I, I think I, like, there's a big part of that I really re- respond to. And, again, like, I mean, I really like, I, I really dig uh, I, I dig an artist who I think is notably hard on themselves. Like it feels like they are, you know, especially if you're into that audience punishment style of making art. If I feel like you're punishing the audience without punishing yourself, I think that, you know, it means you're pain averse. And I think that you're being, you're probably being a coward. And uh, he, I think, I think he hurts himself an awful lot to make the, make the work that he makes. And, and I really, I, I appreciate that a lot. Did you uh, catch um, Exodus, the, the, the kingdom, uh, the newest uh, chapter I, in that? I haven't seen the whole thing yet. I've, I've kind of like preemptively shortlisted it technically as like some of my favorite shit of the year. Cause I, the, I, 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 I actually screened some of it at, at the Toronto international film festival, which Usually, because there's no point for me to go see stuff that's that's televisual, like we're not going to be screening it at my theater, like it's not what I you know will go see. Um, but I because I'm I'm a, such a huge fan, I was like, when am I going to get a chance to see Kingdom in the theater if I don't go see it now? And um, I saw they screened. I think it was the, they screened the first chunk of it, and I've seen a few other ones since then. Like I don't know. Were, did you watch the original Kingdom run? Yeah, I've seen the original like years and years ago. I, I like rented it on VHS yeah. tapes, and um, I just signed yeah. up for for Mubi, which is showing yeah. uh, Exodus, and I, I haven't I haven't yeah. I haven't opened it up yet. I haven't, I haven't started watching Exodus yet. It it is on par, I think. I mean, this is this is I, I know it's impossible to have a discussion about the kingdom being back without talking about Twin Peaks being back because it does feel very much like a similar, uh, you know, similar time span, like similar, you know, revisitation of something that like, you know, why would you go back to like, I mean, it's just kind of dangerous to revive the property and, and, and everything like that. It's kind of difficult to, to talk, to talk about kingdom coming back without talking about that. But I think it, it, it was similarly worth doing. Um, it, uh, it, it, it is a, like a lot about it sounds pretty, <laughs> it sounds a little pretentious, but it, I think it works all the way down the line in so far as it's, it's the funniest thing he's done in years. It's hilarious. It's really, really, really funny, but it also is, I think some of the more effective, um, meta, the approach 
to to um something that's you know like kind of horror based that i've seen in a long time like because a lot of that stuff can be really precious and really snarky but um he with with purpose uh is kind of acknowledging that you're watching the show and the people in the new iteration of the show are aware that the kingdom was a show it's really weird um but I think it has a purpose, and I think that it, it it's really unique. I, I I I again I haven't finished it yet, so maybe it goes ass over tea kettle by the end of it. But I kind of have shortlisted it as like some of the best. Uh, I don't I don't get around to watching a shitload of TV, but it, it's some of the best TV I've seen for sure in 2022. Yeah, well, I'm planning. I'm definitely planning on checking it out for sure. I mean, I, like I signed let, let, up. Let for me know it. what you think. I'm 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 really I'm really I I don't know anyone else who's watched it yet, so I yeah. Yeah, let me know when you see it. I mean, I, I signed up for yet another streaming service just so I can watch it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, there's a I, – I, I, I'm not there, – there aren't too many directors I'm, like, you know, like, hopelessly attached to uh, as far as, like, I'll just kind of drop whatever's going on and, and catch up with them. But Von is up there, and I know, like, at this point in time – it's an, he's an unpopular person to be a big fan of just because of how he is. And I think he doesn't do himself any favors when it comes to behaving the way he does in a contemporary landscape. <laughs> he does, he, sure. he doesn't say a lot of things that are just, I mean, he's, a, he, he's, he comes across as a petulant child. Um, I don't think he always, you know, he doesn't, you know, as somebody who's a big fan of his, I don't think he always behaves the way I, I, I you know, as somebody who likes to defend his work, I don't, I, I wish he would help me out a little bit and not be such a fucking brat sometimes. But um, I, 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 like, I, I love his stuff. I, I think it's really strong still. Any other notable stuff that you got out there? Uh, you know, one other one that, um, uh, and and this one I, I know is split audiences, so not everyone's dug this as much as I did. But I, I really liked it. it was um, the new Peter Strickland movie, Flux Gourmet. Um, do you know any of Peter Strickland stuff? No, I'm totally unfamiliar with that, honestly. Yeah, he did like Barbarian Sound Studio. Oh, wait, I do know uh, it. I do know Bur- that. Yeah, I know Barbarian Sound Studio. Yeah. That was good. Okay. I don't yeah. know how I missed his name. Yeah, he did yeah. He did that. He did Duke of Burgundy. Uh, he did In Fabric. All right, I saw that one too. I which, saw I saw, I saw two of those films. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I know a lot of people really didn't like In Fabric. Uh, <laughs> that, that one was that one definitely split the audience. Um, I, I don't know if it's just because Barry Adamson was in it that made it easy for me to really love it. But um, uh, his his new one is um, probably um, his funniest. Uh, it's um, I think it's on Shutter, if I'm not mistaken. I saw it. Um, uh, it is, I, I I I saw it just through. Uh, kind of festival land uh a little while back uh like i think in 2021 if i'm not mistaken i saw it kind of ahead of release um but it's in kind of a, a heightened uh uh like a it, it's one of those films that uh no one behaves in a regular fashion like it's very very clearly a um uh, uh, you know, a, a non-reality, uh, which which is kind of uh, so. So it's a it's a it's about uh, some this uh, um, <laughs> trying to even even talking about it out loud sounds like I'm just making it all up. Um, it, it, it's taking place at this um, uh, artistic uh, getaway uh, for people who are making um, 
performance art in the in the uh, in the culinary arts. So it's a bunch of this this food based performance art uh, that's going on in this like old manor um, that that's run by uh, like a, a trust who are just a bunch of these you, you know creepy rich upper crust people that are um, uh, that 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 uh, are engaging in this reality <laughs> in which the most important thing that's going on in the world is is basically food art and. Um, uh, the, the it, it has kind of some like shades of stuff like Brazil in it, uh, like you know like the way yeah. the, the the way rich people behave in films where rich people are basically aliens, okay. very much like that. And um, there is um, this um, and 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 the uh, proceedings are being uh, documented by this. Uh, failed author who's who's just kind of supposed to be keeping track of 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 the process for this this trio of people who are doing this really really kind of lame uh performance art that's really out there uh and and pretty vacuous and it, it, but it you know it's like they're like putting contact mics on blenders and i think any anyone who's either spent time in like kind of a more academic artistic setting or people who go to, I guess, like highfalutin, like noise shows and stuff like that, that are really high concept, will appreciate the kinds of attitudes they're they're lampooning. Like it's 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 very much based around um, how much all of like almost every character has disappeared into their own ass about <laughs> just how like they all they're they're all just they all suck so bad. And they're also self-important in everything about their process and everything they're trying to say with their their art, which is uniformly dumb, um, is so important to them. And uh, they're they're all like, it, but it kind of just descends into this, uh, like. And, and Peter Strickland's really heavy on sound design. Uh, his his films are almost uniformly horror films without being horror films. Like he does a lot to create tension and terror in places that are a little unlikely. And this film is kind of the height of his powers on that because it's a lot of weird, um, like kitchen stuff. It's just a lot of food. And there's a lot about it that does recall a sense of, of horror in, uh, there being something kind of, uh, almost like, uh, 80 splatter about it, even though like you're only really ever looking at food being, thrust all over the place and these horrible like scatological performances uh from from all of these like uh, just atrocious artists and everything like that and then they end up descending into weird orgies and everything like that but while this is all going on it's all very hilarious and there's a lot of uh um i mean the commentary just about the uh, the institutions that govern uh you know that govern the arts and everything like that like watching it i i watched it with my uh my my wife who is uh uh masters in fine arts and 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 like i mean i that's it was the best way to possibly watch it because it was it, you know if you've spent again any time in academia uh, around a bunch of self-important artists like you're going to recognize all these people so it's basically a, a like almost like a a food splatter version of that one scene in crimes of the future where they're they're uh um critiquing that bad performance art piece Right. <laughs> it's it's kind of that for a full length film. It's yeah, I loved it. It's it's kind of a hard pitch, but I really like that one. It's on Shutter, you say? 
Yeah, yeah, or at least it is in Canada anyway. I don't know okay. if it is in the U.S. Yeah. I know sometimes our content's a little different. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds interesting to me, especially I I yeah. didn't recall the filmmaker's name, but I actually I'd seen In Fabric and Barbarian Sound System, and I I enjoyed both of those. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. If you if, if you actually both if you like both of those, like. I mean, again, like similar, like uh, Salt on the Senses is Barbarian Sound Studio. And then In Fabric, it, it uh, you know, In Fabric had a lot of horror elements to it, even though it wasn't a horror film proper. This is similar in that, in that it's it's quite properly horrific, but it's not technically a horror movie, maybe. That's definitely something I'll check out, though, for sure. Yeah, 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 and let me know what you think about that one too, because I don't, I think that that's a really underseen movie this year. I'm kind of, I'm surprised because I think he is so. I think it's all of his movies are hard to get in front of an audience. Like the the pitch on them is like excessively difficult. It's like ah, oh, this movie's kind of about a killer dress. Like nobody wants to see that. But <laughs> then when you're sitting in front of it, it's like oh yeah, this is all hanging together. This is all working. It's really well written. Like I mean, his his filmmaking is second to none. He's like he's just he's got. He's got it all locked in. It's just his ideas are really, really, uh, I mean, there's no hook to them. I mean, I think I kind of struggled to get through a decent synopsis on that. I was probably really rambling, but that's because that's what the film does. It just, it rambles away and it's, and it's really critical. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, but it's also like, it's constantly biting. It's really funny. And like, there's just like, I can't say enough nice things about it, but, but packaging it all in a way that sounds, uh, appetizing at all is really difficult <laughs> yeah i'll see if uh either jeff or mike might want to talk about it on necromaniacs too mm-hmm. yeah i'd be i'd be curious to hear what the whole the whole gallery has to say about that one for sure yeah last year was a pretty good uh year i think in general for well, i mean definitely for genre films but you know just in general from for movies i thought a lot of good stuff came out yeah no i'm with you on that one i i kind of uh, depending on my mood, sometimes I can be kind of uh, a little curmudgeonly and kind of, I, th- I think that it, like well, for records and for movies, sometimes I, I, you know, over the course of a year, we'll go like, yeah, it's kind of slow or maybe I feel overwhelmed. It just depends on how, how hard I'm being on, on the, on everything that's coming out. And I think that sometimes I, I maybe it's a compulsion of somebody who, who runs an art house theater, but like, I I have a bit of a blind spot for some of the bigger movies that are coming out too. Like I, I, you know, like I don't, I keep, I keep on not, you know, when I'm, when I'm asked, I keep on not including um, Banshees of Inisherin in a, in my year end list. And I know I loved it. Like I, I know it really moved me and I know that it got under my skin and I dug it, but I keep on not including it in the discussion and, uh, or uh, Moon Age Daydream. I, you're you're a Bowie fan. Oh, right? dude, I I actually ordered the Blu-ray of Moon Age Daydream. It hasn't showed up yet, but yeah, I love Bowie. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No, no, not yet. Oh, okay. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it because, like, to me, um, uh, like like not not to overpump it in in advance or whatever, but it managed to do this really special thing with Bowie, where like as a fan. You don't, you don't want him to not be like everyone loves that when he's in conversation, he's really like he, you know, he's he's oddly humble. Like he, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of warmth to him, and and he comes to, you know, he's a, he he's he's a like a, you know, he's he comes across as a genius, but it's natural, and he doesn't seem to think there's anything special about what it is that, you know, like he. Like he he doesn't deny being something else. He doesn't deny being an alien. Like he doesn't deny being 
fucking made out of magic, but he also doesn't seem to think that that's a special thing. Right. And the movie really captures that. Like his like philosophy seems to be what weaves the thing together. And it doesn't, it, 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 it keeps you at like just the perfect distance the entire time and that it doesn't kill the superhero like in any fashion, like he gets to keep being everything that Bowie is at his, like his heights in your head, but also he's never been more accessible at the same time. It's, it's fucking awesome. It's, I loved it. I thought it was, you know, like, and, and, and I mean, like as a fan, like you want it to be, even though it's like, you know, over two hours long or whatever, you want it to be three hours. Cause you want to go through, you know, that much more, stuff from every era but it, it, it i think did as good of a job as you could do for um you know for being a, like a career uh length doc too i i had been meaning to see this for months and uh I, it's not like i forgot about it but a number of mm-hmm. normal people were telling me about how great this was and i was like mm-hmm. made me not want to see it really you know in a weird way i was like I do this thing sometimes where it's like if if maybe if you and I had been the first people to talk about it, I probably would have seen it right away, you know. But then like mm-hmm. someone from like uh, you know the office, it was like, oh, you like music, you like David Bowie. I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. And so oh, you should see this documentary. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get around to it, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, I think we're even seeing that. Like some of the titles, like I don't know, man, like. Uh... And I mean, I, they're, they're not like top in my list, but like, I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, it took me forever to get around to seeing everything everywhere all at once, for instance, just because like the type of like the the type of praise it was getting coming from the types of people who were praising it made it so that it was like, I, I need some distance from this. Well, you know, until the hype's died down, because like, I, I don't think I can digest this. So I completely appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. To get around to seeing that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll see like that eventually. That I know that I like, I dug, like, I know, like, I saw like, months in advance before a lot of people, I saw the menu, because I saw the menu at TIFF in September, and I know everyone's starting to flip shit about that, like, right now, um, and I, I'm, there's a part of me that wants to get just a touch more critical about it than I think I would otherwise be, because some of the, 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 the it's not the amount of praise it's getting, it's maybe, like, the, the, uh, this the type of praise and the type of unmitigated praise it's getting from people is making me feel like they kind of missed the point a little bit, and it's making me wonder how effective the movie actually was. But I know I dug it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I know what you mean by that. Like, you know, like get, getting getting feedback from a certain kind of audience can definitely uh, a, a, affect the way you approach a movie. It makes you suspicious. That's uh, the menus on our list of movies we're going to cover in the next couple of weeks over at uh, at Necro. So I'll be checking that out soon. Yeah, it's 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 funny, like because on the outset, just to look at it, you wouldn't you wouldn't suppose that that movie is necessarily maybe now the word's kind of out on it or whatever. But like you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, immediately presume that that was one for 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 that show. Like it, it, like uh, when they were selling it in the first place at the, there's very little Intel given to us as uh press and industry for, for what a film is when you go to a, like a festival like Toronto international. 
they don't really tell you a ton. Like I knew who was in it and they like had broad strokes on it, but I wasn't ready for precisely what that film was. So uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad you guys are getting around to it because you could just look at the poster and like some brief copy on it and go like, ah, it's not really for Necro, but uh, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> oh, cool. Now, um, I like that Ray Fiennes is in it. I'm a big fan of his. So yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, I, it's, it's one of his best in recent years for sure. I, I thought he was really good in it. Did you catch um, yeah, uh, the and, whale? And, 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 uh, sorry, say again. Did you catch the whale? I did, and actually, it's funny you should bring that up because I know I know in advance uh, for the, like kind of what your take on that one was because I I, I caught the the uh, last ep- episode of of, uh, of Necro. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> like you had just just seen it. Um, I think I liked it more than you did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't think it didn't like it didn't totally bowl me over, but I know it's getting a it, it's getting a lot of really negative feedback for like some of the way it you know well just some of the uh, it's getting the, the the nature of some of the negative feedback it's getting not not anything that you said about it but the uh, kind of general societal temperature on it from people who want to be critical of it, I think has been a little unfair. What, what are they um, saying about it? Uh, just the stuff about how like they should have tried to uh, uh, cast somebody who was at that weight. Oh and, my God, uh, dude, that's like what or, to be or, on the verge of death. Come on, man. That, that's like ridiculous. It, it, to me. It, 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 that's an, that's an untenable production request. You can't have somebody How f- who is in that much like life danger. Yeah. Uh, like, like who like to, uh, per- perform. You can't, you wouldn't be able to do it. Like it's, it's about a movie about a guy who can't leave his couch. What are you talking about? Yeah, I, I find <laughs> that it's, it's not tenable. I, I'm really offended by stuff like that. Honestly, this like wanton yeah. disregard for health, you know, for some reason mm-hmm. it's like, look, you know, there's all kinds of people. There's all kinds of body types, but yeah. there's, you know, that this the gentleman that's being portrayed in this film is like morbidly obese and is literally on death's door. So how do you cast somebody like that? Yeah, completely. And 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 like, and I I think that it does disregard. Like, I I do think that Brennan Fraser like. I, I do think that the I think the performance is out of the park. I do think yeah. he's really good, and I think that some of the writing I, I will I will definitely concede that some of the writing is um, and, and and who knows what it feels like on a stage because it was written for the stage, correct? But like so, some of the writing is a little on the like purposeful tear jerky side, and the nature of the performances is such that like I mean, there's some serious like Oscar clip stuff built into the performance. I, I definitely wouldn't deny that. But I also I mean, I was genuinely moved by it. And I think I lost track pretty early on into the movie of the 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 literal uh, like prison of his body and started thinking more of, uh, you know, the the notion of the the you know the type of punishment we we kind of deliver unto ourselves as as humans sometimes and the kinds of the types of iso you know the varying isolations we put ourselves through and everything like that like i, I there was degrees of you know relating to the movie i was able to do that kind of kept me in there and i thought um i well actually you know what i was about to i was about to cite um uh i can't remember her name his his daughter she's really 
odd name, the, the actor that plays his daughter. Um, Stranger Things kid, whatever. The, yeah, yeah. Um, she played Max in uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, I thought she was, like, I was about to cite her, but, you know, I, I honestly thought the, the performances across the board, I thought, were were really good. But I already know in advance, like, it's not, um, like, I have a, I have a, a the, the one of um, Ken Mode's, like, kind of inner circle guys, uh, uh, really good, uh, really good friend of the band named Dale. He's he's out with the band regularly. He's, like, you know, uh, is often behind our, our merch table yeah. or hanging out or whatever. He's, I think, I mean, I would consider Dale has having been a part of the band the longest next to Jesse and Shane. Um, yeah, I know Dale. He, uh, yeah. He's a huge Aronofsky fan. Like, says, I think I think he has said that that is his favorite filmmaker. Um, and so he wanted to talk about the whale without talking about the whale a ton when I was out with him because he hadn't seen it yet. Um, and um, uh, I, I like there's certain Aronofsky movies that I will come back to with some regularity, and this won't be one of them. Like like the, the, for for me, the one that I responded to the most hands down was Mother. Like I, I saw myself in Mother in a huge way, and that movie really like really did it for me. Um, this is not that. So like I, I liked the whale. I thought it was really good. I get why everyone's. I do, I do understand everyone flipping shit for the performances. I do think it's hilarious this weird revisionist history we're going through, where everyone was like missing Brendan Fraser because <laughs> I think he is a good actor. I think yeah. he just proved that with this movie, but. If we're, if you're talking about movies that like I've liked him in shit, you know, like I yeah. think he I do think he is good, but he's unique. He's a little weird looking. He his voice is bizarre. He's he's not he's not a an actor for every season. And like, what are you talking about when you say like, oh, you know, the boy's back? What are you are you talking about the mummy? What are you are you talking about George <laughs> of the Jungle? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, like what what do you mean you missed him? Like, there's only so many movies he's been in that are of like high acting quality and it's not his fault it's that he he didn't get you know he didn't get a shitload of great roles earlier on in his career he was in a lot of movies that made a lot of money but like real talk like how much were you actually missing this guy so this weird kind of public uh <laughs> this public perception that like you know he's you know he's back and we missed him so much like whatever give me a break seriously like like i i've liked him a lot like i I have like a real soft spot for the movie Airheads. I watched sure. that a lot growing up. Big fan of that movie, um, and I think that he he uh, it, it, it's goofy because I know to most people that's just a shitty like it's a shitty movie. Like it's not it's not not a not a great one. I do think it's really good, and I think that he's all of the heart in the movie. I think he I think his like straight manning everybody that he does in a lot of that movie, and like I think he showed up taking taking that role way more seriously than he needed to. And that's a little bit of a like window into him being a good actor. Cause like to make you buy into a movie like airheads is like, that's, that's not easy, but I did. And I do think like, I don't think he is without his charm, but this, this weird, what are they calling it? The Renaissance, the fuck out of here. Come on. Now, I, I think more accurately, you would say that he's coming into his own. Maybe, you know, it's like, maybe this is yeah. the beginning of like a, uh, a more uh, active part of his career, you know. I and I and I hope so for his sake. Because, like I was saying, like I don't think he is. I do think he's good, and I think that this was finally like this might have they might have found where his sweet spot is. Like this could be, 
it's something vulnerable, right? Like he, I think that that's what he needed. Like he was playing, he was in broad movies, but I think he was kind of always meant to do more character work. Like, cause again, like that, that comes down to inescapable facts. Like he's not like, he's not Gary Oldman. Like he's not a versatile human. Like he, he has, again, he, he looks a little strange and he's got a weird voice. Mm-hmm. Like he has his aff- his entire affectation is not, you know, he can't show up and play anybody the way somebody like, like, well, I, I don't know why. I, well, no, I know why I decided Gary Oldman because he can be a chameleon. Like he, you know, he can uh, do a little bit of everything. Brendan Fraser can't do a little bit of everything, but he can probably, some of the stuff he can do, he'll probably do the best. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. But like, I think that a lot of like, I think the whale conversation has been stilted in a really weird way because of like some of that stuff. Yeah, I I thought the acting was great. I I just uh, some of the writing I thought was off for me, and um, like the the themes of addiction and enablement, you know, and self punishment. Those concepts are good, but just some of the narrative that they used to put that together, I felt a little on the nose. You know, especially where his partner who passed was like basically starve themselves so he's going to be the inverse i don't know that i had a problem with that oh i kind of forgot about that actually yeah. i'm like yeah, that's you know, that's like, so just, like just remember like i haven't had access to those like some of these flicks i haven't seen since september and all right I saw yeah. them. like i just like, saw I, those the whale was ago. one of like 60 movies i saw right. in, a, in like a week and a half yeah. <laughs> and the the moby dick thing too was yeah completely random i thought because uh the i mean my reckoning of Moby Dick is that it's about a guy obsessed with a singular goal who sacrifices everything and everyone around him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really see that in this film. And then he's talking about Moby Dick and now it's the greatest thing. And I'm like, why that? Like why connect it? Was it the physical size of him or I, that I felt a little weird, you know, but as a piece of acting, I thought it was great, you know, and I thought mm-hmm. that just, yeah. very well produced i thought just my, my thing was the writing i guess you know yeah yeah i, I mean i it didn't bother me quite as much but i mean see and that's even having a conversation about it where i feel like i need to take it under further consideration is, is going to make me renege on saying i probably won't watch it again because i probably you know like like i i think that i'm going to end up talking to a lot of people about it and um, I guess one of the other things I didn't mention that I also do is I also do like for on, on our community radio station here, I do a, I co-host a film review show and I'm oh. sure once everybody wants, has a chance to go see the whale, then I'm going to want to get boned up on it again to, to, to be ready to go see it again. So I, I, sh- I'll, I'll probably wind up watching it again. And, and I, I think that, um, one of the other things that, um, I think that when going into it that I was prepped for is uh, I already mentioned like mother had a really big impact on me. Yeah. Um, one of the things about seeing that and in that one, I've, I've rewatched probably, I don't know, five or six times, but um, uh, I saw the, from, from what I, as far as I'm aware uh, the screening, I saw of it at, uh, at Toronto international was the first time it screened as far as I'm aware, maybe in North America. Oh, and it was the and it was the press and it was the press and industry screening, right? It wasn't a public screening. So the thing is, is like before anyone in the public gets a chance to like get their hands on, you know, whatever the the media has had to say, uh, those are the screenings we're at, right? Like so, right. I went to like a, I think it was like a nine a.m. screening of this thing, 
and and everybody who is going to have a review out by you know who wants to, to make sure their review is out by noon so they can have the first word in on on the new Aronofsky movie I'm in, I'm in the screening with those people so I like I really there's like there's zero like going into that or going into something like Joker or something like that like there, there is no public opinion yet these movies haven't screened and Mother was one of the most powerful screenings I've seen, been to because obviously that movie very famously really split <laughs> the, yeah. uh, the, the the critics, right? Sure. And you could fucking tell sitting there that there was such a, like, when the, as the movie really started to, you know, barrel forward, you could tell that it, that it was losing a lot of people and people were getting... Um, people were getting upset and kind of throwing their hands up. There was people walking out and I'd never been to a screening like that before. And, uh, and, and because it was working on me so well, I, I, I like, I kind of like, I felt like I was digging my heels in that much more. And I was loving that people were getting pissed off about it. And the energy of the room was unlike any other screening I'd ever been to. And you could tell, like, I mean, I was sitting there ahead of the public knowing like, man, this movie's going to have a tough time. <laughs> it's not going to go easy for this. So having done that on his prior movie, I think there was part of me with the whale that went in there, like kind of bracing for that again. And I don't think that that happened obviously, but like, I think that there's like, there's a, there's a, there's a, a piece of me that wanted to be, maybe, maybe I was being too team Aronofsky about it, but um, I, uh, I, I should go in like on a more sober viewing probably and, uh, and, and rewatch it. No, it's definitely, yeah, I mean, definitely check it out again. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely a movie to see. I thought it was technically a good film. It's just that some of, some of the plot points lost me a little bit. You know, the one thing I was really happy that it didn't do, that I was worried it was going to do, and maybe, maybe this is just me, like, listening to, like, detractors too much, but, like, I was worried that Aronofsky was going to go full requiem for a dream on the eating stuff. Like I was worried it was going to turn into like a lot of uh, like, you know, uh, the fast cutting of him, you know, like punishing his body and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, there is that one kind of brutal uh, eating scene that is kind of stomach turning or whatever. But um, the like I was worried it was going to be basically the uh, the overeating uh, equivalent to what Requiem for a Dream was. And I'm glad it didn't do that. There, there was one scene that I thought was real powerful. It was like in, towards the beginning when the, the lady who was uh, taking care of him, you know, she shows mm -hmm. up, she takes his vitals, and then mm -hmm. you see this like bucket of chicken that she was going to give him. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you're taking his vitals yeah. and then you're enabling him to like continue down this path of destruction. And it was like that the bucket of chicken had this like real heavy like vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, see, and it was through it was through the simplicity of it just being a bucket of it's kind of a bit of a Chekhov's gun sitting there, yeah. As opposed to being like you know what Aronofsky is known for, which is really flashy kinetic behavior, right? And I'm glad it never dipped into that. So I mean, maybe maybe he could have stood to have like jazzed it up a little bit more because as as a lot of people have pointed out, it kind of does feel like him recording a play sometimes, like it's yeah. not very flashy, which is what we know him for, but. Um, I'm, I'm glad he didn't go full bore in the other direction either. Cause I think that would have been really hokey. And I think that would have been, uh, that would have been disrespectful. I think if he would have done that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, and 
The thing is, too, I, I didn't know that it was a play until afterwards. And I remember watching it and feeling like this is the writing, like the scripting was very much like a play, like a little bit histrionic, mm-hmm. you know, and like very yeah. the dialogue reminded me of watching a play, basically. So, yeah, it's I, I was interested in that when I when I heard it. Well, and like sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Like I can't think of a ton of examples off the top of my head, but there are um, – well, actually, just watched a really interesting movie. I think it's from uh, maybe the late '70s called uh, Short Eyes. Have you ever seen oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's about uh, yeah, the guy movie. in jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched that, and um, uh, I, I liked and could see how that would behave on a stage. Like it did make sense to me, and I feel like there would have been a really cool tension to it. Or like uh, Boys in the Band uh, is another one, like the you know one Freakin did. Uh, yeah. one of one of his early ones. Have you seen that? Yep, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I think sometimes I think I I am a dialogue guy by nature. I really do like. I don't know if it just it comes from being like a big like William Blatty fan or whatever. Like, I just I do I do like a lot of flicks where people sit around and are I, I you know I I, I like I I enjoy there being some philosophy to what's going on in the mix. And I do, and I like banter. So, like between those two things, like I do, I you know, I dig, I dig a movie that's really, really heavily um, dialogue based. And so I can, I can really hang with movies like that sometimes. But when, when it misses the adaptation, you know, from stage to screen a little bit, like I mean, that's the whole point to an adaptation. That's what needs to happen. You know, if you're moving a book. You know, like, like I mean, I think the the one I always cite. It sounds very basic, but it's it's also it's the most obvious one. Not everything that Stephen King ever wrote was intended to be on the screen, and I think he even loses sight of that in himself sometimes because he, he you know, he criticizes people that uh, adapt his his work, but like a lot of his work is is not you know he he writes stuff that's really great on the page and works really well in a mind. But, you know, if you make it literal, a lot of the time it's it's cheesy, it's kind of hokey. Um, adaptation is an art unto itself and like making something, uh, you know, something doesn't exist perfectly on both stage and screen all the time. It's just it's not a, a perfectly equivalent uh, position. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, Scott, thanks a lot, man. This is great. And uh, good luck with yeah. the mixing and stuff you got going. I'm really, really interested to hear how all that shakes out with the film score. Yeah, I uh, like, like I said, it's, it's, uh, thank you, thank you for the encouragement. I think I need to. <laughs> I think it's been existing on my desk for too long now, and I know that the filmmakers and everybody who actually had a chance to see the movie have all been really encouraging and I should probably just get on top of it. It's just, it's uh, you know, it's uh, when, when it's a, uh, you know, something like a, a new Ken mode record and everyone's waiting on it, then it's, it's easy to go like, yeah, we're, we're, we're on top of it and we're going to move it forward. But when it's stuff that's, you know, um, in, in my, in my weird little office, it's harder to, harder to push that stuff forward. <laughs> well, definitely stay in touch, man. And uh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested in having, when the film is is available to have you guys back on and talk mm-hmm. about it, you know. Well, I'll, I'll, I I will let Mitch know, and I will I'll keep you in a, keep you updated. Like I said, I'll I'll try to I'll try to to get that short out to you too. I really appreciate that. All right, have a good day, man. Take yeah. care. Yeah, you too.